Our first reading is taken from the book of Ezekiel, chapter 34, reading from verses 11 to 16, which you'll find on page 863 of the Church Bibles. Page 863, Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 11 to 16. For this is what the Sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines and in all the settlements in the land. I will tend them in a good pasture, and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land, and there they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the Sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. This is the word of the Lord. Our second reading this morning is taken from the Gospel of John, chapter 10. Uh, can be found on page 1075. Here, disciple John is telling of a time when Jesus spoke to the Pharisees. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I will tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons his sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. 
The man runs away because he has a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. This is the word of the Lord. can take a seat. <laughs> good morning, everyone. Um, if I haven't, good morning. Uh, if I have another chance to meet you yet, my name is Nick, and yes, it does feel a little bit odd wearing a suit. I'm normally used to wearing a different kind of suit, a wetsuit, but um, this will do for this morning. <laughs> I wear a few hats around here um, throughout the week, as we're hearing before. Um, I head up the Christian surfers here in Manly, and on the northern beaches. Um, I also teach a few scripture classes throughout the week and help out with preschool on Sunday mornings. I'm also a youth leader here on Friday and Sunday afternoons. I'm in this term at youth, I actually had the privilege of leading our youth through a talk series that we called Christ Confidence. And today I've been given the opportunity to share one of these talks with all of us here today. The talk that I've chosen to share with you today is about identity and how Christ speaks volume into this space. Who we are as people is obviously a topic that our youth are struggling with every day. Our teenagers often struggle with trying to figure out what makes them valuable and who they are as people. But I think if we're all honest, adults are not immune by any means to struggling with identity and self-esteem. Just take a look at the idea of making a bucket list or a midlife crisis. Adults are not immune to asking the questions of who we are and why we are here. The reason I say this is even though I've been asked to showcase, so to speak, a talk that we've given at youth this term, I don't want this to be an excuse to just sit back and hear what's been going on on Friday nights. This is just as relevant for us. But before we start, I'm going to pray. Father God, I pray that you will be speaking through me this morning as I speak from your word. Father, I pray that you will be softening and opening the hearts of everyone here this morning to hear what you have to say. Amen. Amen. Please keep your Bibles open. We'll be making our way through John 10 this morning with this discussion of Jesus as the Good Shepherd. As we do, we're thinking about what it means to be a sheep to this Good Shepherd. And for those of you keeping track this morning, we have three key points. First of all, what the world says. 
Second, why this is problematic. And lastly, why it is better to be a sheep. Point number one, what the world says. In John 10, Jesus is telling these Pharisees and he's telling us that he is the good shepherd and that we are his sheep. I wonder how that might make you feel. Maybe nice and warm and cuddly here on a rainy day at church. Might make you feel a little bit like this. This um, is something we might colour in here um, at St. Matt's on a Sunday morning at Kids Church. Pretty adorable, right? Pretty warm and cuddly, little fluffy sheep, all smiling. But I wonder if you have properly thought about this before, being called a sheep. Because frankly, I think the Pharisees would have been pretty insulted at being called a sheep. And the reason is because sheep as an animal are, frankly, quite hopeless. I mean, they can't find food by themselves. They can't find water by themselves. They can't find shelter by themselves, and they can't protect themselves. And even quite often when you put food right in the front of their faces, they'll eat the bad food instead. Sheep are seriously one of, if not the most, non-self-sufficient animals to walk this earth. And I think it's for this reason that our culture takes such insult to the idea of being called a sheep. Today's world is repulsed by the idea of, being, of needing a shepherd. It reacts in horror at the idea of needing to depend on someone. Our youth today are growing up in a world bred on the virtues of self-determination and self-identification. The world today tells us to be masters of our own identity. We're taught to choose who we want to be. The late sociologist Robert Bella refers to this means of identity formation as expressive individualism. Here is how he defines it in his book, The Habits of the Heart. He says, each person has a unique core feeling, an intuition that must unfold and be expressed if individual identity is to be realized. In other words, no one can define you. You must define yourselves. We can see evidence of this in almost everywhere we look today. Social media is built on the idea of crafting your own self-image. Self-help books help us to unlock the inner you. And even our beloved Disney movies we have all grown up on, they're all about this too. Far from being a sheep who needs a shepherd to know him, you are a rat who just wants to cook or a princess who just wants to explore the ocean or an ice princess who just wants to let it go or a rabbit who wants to be a cop or a mermaid who just wants to find true love or another princess who just wants to be a warrior or a puppet who wants to be a real boy or an elephant who wants to fly. Every single one of these movies is the same at the heart, aren't they? The goal of life is to overcome mediocrity, discover who we truly are, and, and then live that out. Because only then will we truly know who we are. Now before you get sucked into Disney's magic and go buy a box set this morning, let me tell you what is wrong with this picture of identity that Disney and the world paints. There are two problems when we are the ones left to discover 
and determine who we are, when the weight of identity rests on our shoulders. The first problem with this expressive individualism is that it is crushing. Our culture tells us that you are what you achieve. Setting goals and reaching these goals is what establishes your identity and determines our worth as people. And that might be fine if you exist in a Disney movie because it always ends in these characters reaching their goals, overcoming mediocrity and living out their potential. But as we know well and true, life is no Disney movie. It is far from a Disney movie. We are not all going to succeed against impossible odds like every main character in a Disney movie. We are humans that are broken and flawed, living in a world that is broken and flawed. But we are all bred on this ideal picture, aren't we? We take a good thing like work or family or success or a relationship, a, a good thing, and we turn it into an identity factor a factor that defines our identity. Not just a good thing, but your very significance and self-worth depends on it. It's crushing because we place our self-worth on something that was not designed to carry that weight. A career, a partner, a lifestyle, yourself. Have you ever thought about that before? I remember falling into this trap when I was in school. Um, when I was in year 12, everyone and everyone around me told me that for me to be anyone, I needed to succeed. I needed the marks, I needed the degree, I needed the job, because only then would I be someone. And I fell for it like so many high school students do today. I worked so hard in the HSC, and this was a great thing, except the whole time I was trying to prove to myself and everyone around me that, that I could be who I set out to be. I was trying to write my own Disney movie, wasn't I? I took a good thing, succeeding at school, and tied my entire value and identity to it. And what happened every single time my grades dropped or I didn't get the results I wanted, it destroyed me. Because if I wasn't succeeding, then I didn't know who I was anymore. You see, this picture of identity that the world paints, that we define ourselves by ourselves, it's absolutely crushing because it takes a good thing that God has created and uses it to justify our identity and our value as people. But not only is this identity formation, this expressive individualism crushing, but it's ultimately unfulfilling. It's empty. You see, even when it seems we have achieved our goals, even when it seems we have overcome mediocrity, even when it seems... We have everything we could ever need to be all we ever need to be. We are faced with a sheer cliff. When the late pop sensation Prince was asked in an interview why he didn't write another Purple Rain, another hit single, he said this, I've been to the mountaintop. There's nothing there. It turns out that the top is perhaps not all it's cracked up to be. You only have to consider how many of the famous, how many of the rich, how many of the powerful end up imploding there at the top. And it's because at the heart, success is short-lived. Ultimately failing to satisfy. It's empty. Not only is it empty, but it is excluding. C.S. Lewis in his classic Mere Christianity said that we're not proud of being rich. We're proud of being more rich than the next person. 
We're not proud of being successful. We're proud of being more successful than the next person. In other words, the only reason you feel any self-worth if you are at the top is because the people around you aren't. The people around you aren't as successful as you are, aren't as accomplished, aren't as comfortable as you are. You see, that doesn't work and that can't work because, frankly, there's always going to be someone you find that is better than you. You see, there's nothing wrong with success or achievements, with work, with family, a particular lifestyle, but when we define ourselves by these good things, when we look within for meaning and identity, it's only ever going to come up short. The truth of it is this. Any identity that is achieved rather than received is unstable. It turns out that what we really need is to connect ourselves to another. In John 10, that is the good shepherd. And that brings us to our third point for this morning. Here in John 10, at this point in John's gospel, Jesus is having a go at the Pharisees. Um, The Pharisees are quite mad at Jesus because he's been making his way around, healing people, performing miracles. And particularly at this point in John 10, the Pharisees are are mad at Jesus for just having given a blind man his sight back in chapter 9. The Pharisees are completely rejecting Jesus' authority. And above all, they, they want him to stop what he's doing. The Pharisees identified themselves as spiritual leaders of Israel. But here in John 10, Jesus calls them out on it. He says it's not about obedience to tradition. It's not about knowledge of the scriptures. It's about being connected to the Son. It's about being known by your good shepherd and being a sheep of his. And Jesus uses the imagery of a sheep pen and shepherds to reveal this to them. I hope you still have your Bibles open. Take a look there in verse 1. How you enter the pen is important. From verse 1, Very truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The Pharisees don't get it, so he says it more plainly in verse 7. Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. He then says it again in verse 9. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Jesus has made it so clear here to the Pharisees. Yet we see the fundamental problem with them is their unwillingness to accept this. Their unwillingness to connect themselves to the Son. The one that God has sent, that was their downfall. In the latter part of our passage this morning, Jesus then starts talking about a good shepherd and his sheep. Now, the Pharisees also fancied themselves as Israel's shepherds. And Jesus pretty much flatly rejects this here in the classic line in verse 11. I am the good shepherd. In other words, I am Israel's true leader. I am Israel's true shepherd. You've got to admit, it's a pretty bold statement to say in a room full of Israel's respected elders. Jesus then moves on to paint this amazing picture we see in our passage this morning of who this shepherd is and what he has done. And it should leave us wanting to be one of his sheep. Read with me in verse 3 and verse 14. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And in verse 14, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. 
Our good shepherd Jesus knows us. He knows each and every one of us individually. He knows our thoughts and our struggles. He calls us by name to him. And he leads us out and he goes before us. Jesus is truly a good shepherd. And by the sheep pen metaphor again in verse 9 and 10, we are promised life when we follow the good shepherd and enter through him. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief only comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. This is our good shepherd. This is a promise of life and life to the full that only Jesus keeps. But above everything, Jesus is the good shepherd because he is a shepherd that laid down his life for his sheep. Read with me in verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. You see, through Christ, we receive an identity before God. Through Christ, we are named. Through Christ, we are loved. And because of our good shepherd, Christ, we are given right standing for God. Our identity is as sheep of the good shepherd. And it's the best place to be. It's the only thing that can hold the weight of our identity without being crushed. It's not disrupted by our failures. It is the most meaningful thing there is. To be a sheep is not to be a number in a flock. It's to be known, known enough that our shepherd died for us. Now, I'll admit the Pharisees did not grow up watching Disney movies, but that did not spare them from having the same identity issues as well. That's why they found it so hard when Jesus showed up. Because, frankly, they weren't looking for help. They weren't looking for a shepherd, and they definitely weren't looking to be called sheep. They were happy being masters of their own identity, defining themselves by obedience to tradition. Now, even though thousands of years separate us from the Pharisees, you've got to admit not a whole lot has changed. The reality of it is that we are human beings created by God. Despite what the world tells us today, our very essence as social beings means that we actually crave and require external affirmation. We need someone from the outside to affirm who we are. We need to be known. That's who we are as created beings by God. But we can't be defined by anything in this world because it is crushing and empty. We can't be defined by anyone in this broken world because we are equally broken. The truth of it is that you need the love, approval, and esteem of someone you esteem if you're going to have any self-esteem. This person must be someone that cannot change. It must be someone who you esteem above anything else. It must be someone whose opinion of you is unconditional. That is, it does not change as you change. And I hope you know who this person is. This person is Jesus. Jesus, through this scandalous and seemingly insulting claim that he is the good shepherd and that we are his sheep, is, is addressing exactly this. And it's the most loving thing he can say. You see, if it's true that our self-esteem only comes from having the esteem of one we esteem, if our self-worth only comes from 
having the adoration of one that adores us, then to know that the Lord of the universe adores and esteems us, then that must be the most stable identity possible. It must. I really hope you have been joining the dots here this morning because this has some extraordinary implications. You see, if you have received this identity rather than achieved this identity, then there is nothing you could ever do to lose it. If we have done nothing to earn this identity, then there there is nothing we could ever do to lose it. That's the good news of the gospel. That's grace. And what we see is the tables have turned. If we have freely received an identity rather than achieved it, then there is nothing we could ever do to lose it. Now the world tells us to do good and then be accepted. Pharisees tell us to do good and then be accepted. Disney movies today tell us to do good and then be accepted. But I'm here this morning to tell you that that does not work. It cannot work. It is crushing and it is empty. No good we could ever do in this world is good enough to be accepted by the one person our hearts crave acceptance from. But Christ, you know what he says? He says, be accepted and then do good. And this leads me into my final point for this morning. What does this actually mean, leaving church today? If you are here this morning and you know the love that our Father in heaven has for us, a love so extreme it was willing to lay its life down for us. If you know that this same Father in heaven esteems and adores you because of the work of our good shepherd Christ on the cross, then I hope you have embraced the unmovable and unchangeable identity we now have in our good shepherd. Because only then will you be able to walk headfirst into every good thing in this world without letting it define and or undermine your very self-worth. You can develop and grow in your career without letting it define you. You can be the best grandfather or grandmother you can be without letting it define you. You can create a legacy in your community without leaving only a legacy behind. Now we know well and true how easy this is to say here on a Sunday morning, but how hard it becomes as we head into the week. So how exactly do we remain secure in our shepherd as sheep? Well, there are a few key marks of being a good sheep. A good sheep listens to their shepherd. And so should we. We can do this in so many ways throughout our week. By coming before our good shepherd in prayer. By listening to his audible commands in his word. And by falling on our knees in worship. A good sheep also follows his shepherd. And so should we. Our shepherd has shown us the way to life and life to the fullest. He has gone before us and lit the way for us to follow in his footsteps. We truly do have a good shepherd who has gone before us. So let's be good sheep and follow in his footsteps. And lastly, a good sheep rejects false shepherds. The world is going to be doing everything in its power every single day to tell you to be your own shepherd, or to point you towards other shepherds. But the truth is that we were made to be known 
by thee, good shepherd. We are made to be loved by thee, good shepherd. And the good news is that if you listen to this shepherd and you are named and known by him, that's the truth of it. All you need to do is embrace the joy and wonder of being a sheep to such a good shepherd. I'm gonna pray for us. Father God, thank you so much that through your son and his work on the cross, we are named and we are known and we are loved and we are sheep of such a good shepherd. And Father, that is all we could ever need to be. Father, we pray that we will take this to heart as we walk, into, or walk out into a world that tells us the opposite every single day. Amen.